Hi, y'all, and welcome to the I Believe Your Abuse podcast, where we talk all things narcissistic abuse. I'm your host, Brandy Fuller Anderson. I am a counselor, coach, survivor, and author of the book, I Believe You, Escaping Understanding and Healing from Narcissistic Abuse. I have a few things to discuss today before we get started. Guys, just know that narcissists are both male and female. Their gender, sexuality, marital status, none of it is affected by this disorder. My stories include my narcissist, who is male, so that's how I tell my stories, and it helps me to remain consistent. But please insert your own pronoun where called for, and know that narcissists are both men and women. If you have any questions about what I mean when I say narcissist, please go back and listen to episode one where I discuss this. Did you guys know we have a lot of resources for you on our website at ibelieveyourabuse.com? There are resources including support groups, meetings, and professionals that specialize in narcissistic abuse, and you can search by country or state if you're in the U.S. I'm constantly adding to this list, so if you have a lead on a therapist qualified to work with narcissistic abuse, or you know of a support group in your area, please send an email and I can update the list. There's no reason for this to be such an isolating experience. We need to be here to support each other, and support groups are so helpful to many people that are without a proper support system. Do you feel like you've made it to a good place in your recovery and maybe could share your story with others or give them some hope that things will improve? Or maybe some support in knowing that they aren't the only ones who've been through something similar? You can send in your survivor stories to I Believe Your Abuse at gmail.com and it may be discussed on the show or posted in a support forum on the website to help out other survivors. I also wanted to make everyone aware of a great cause and guys this is such a near and dear topic to me and I know how important this cause is so it makes me happy that so many wonderful people are out there trying to do what's right or trying to protect the world from the insidious nature of the narcissist. There are some great pros that help run IBelieveYourAbuse.com, and they do year-round fundraising for such an amazing cause. The money they raise, it goes to raise awareness for narcissistic abuse, offers aid for relocation services for victims trying to escape an abusive situation, is continuously seeking qualified therapists to work with survivors so that there's no re-traumatization suffered by victims trying to seek help and validation. And they're even forming groups that research, petition, and advocate for education of law enforcement officers and those in the criminal justice system for cases involving emotional abuse. Wouldn't it be great if this were able to grow into such a large foundation of support that everyone trapped and feeling helpless in an abusive situation was able to get the help they need to get themselves and their children to safety and to access the type of supports that would help them to heal and move forward more easily? Then nobody was ever left trapped and unable to save themselves or left without appropriate, qualified therapeutic support. That would be so amazing. It definitely has my support. These are such great and important causes. You'll find a shop link on the site that leads to some great t-shirts to help spread awareness of narcissistic abuse. And really, just think about it. Many people have not even heard 
of narcissistic abuse. And putting facts or information on your shirt where it can be seen by so many people catches their attention. Introducing them to the terms it gives people something to think about, something to look up, something to research, something to be aware of, should they ever need to put the puzzle pieces together themselves. What a great way to get some knowledge out there. And not only that, but proceeds from the shirts go directly to the causes that I've mentioned here. I also have posted a way to order copies of my recovery book, and proceeds from that will also be donated. And you can get a copy by sending in an email or completing the contact form on the website. So many great things in the works to make a better world that's a little bit safer from narcissists. So please go and check them out or share with others. We'll have another red flag bonus episode this Monday, so be sure to tune in for that. And next week on the show, a very special interview that you won't want to miss. Okay, so now on with the show. When I started the topic for this show, I was making it for one of our red flag bonus episodes. But then I just went all in and decided to bring a lot of things to light since nearly everyone here listening has likely experienced this one major aspect of a relationship with a narcissist. And it isn't necessarily a red flag because a lot of the time it's something that's occurring without us being even suspicious of it for maybe a very long time. I want to dive deeper into it because I feel that it's important, not just because I want there to be clarity with the statements that I post online, but also because it affects most all victims of narcissistic abuse. Today, we address one of the many phenomena that are occurring in a relationship with a narcissist, most often behind our backs, for most, if not all, of our relationship. One that is particularly callous hateful and ungrateful. One that tends to be extremely difficult to wrap our heads around after the fact. One that's hard to explain away as anything other than deliberate and self-serving. This is the smear campaign. I posted something on social media accounts and I could tell by comments that some were triggered by it and I thought it worth mentioning and making sure the meaning behind it was fully understood. Now I can't prevent some viewers or listeners from being triggered, but I certainly don't want to leave anyone with a feeling of anything other than what was intended. Now just know that each of us is in a different place in our healing process and we learn new dynamics of this hellish relationship at each level, which means Some survivors will understand some of the aspects and therefore postings, and some will still have questions regarding that specific aspect and that posting, if they've not yet embraced that understanding or if they're still very sensitive to those invalidations that they're used to getting from outsiders. Please never be afraid to speak up and ask questions about anything you see posted or hear discussed here that doesn't make sense to you because it just adds to the education that you have surrounding this abusive pattern. And all of the understanding you gain aids in your recovery process. So the phrase that was posted was mentioning how an abused partner often hides their misery. 
While the abuser plays victim and badmouths their partner, often with words and actions that don't match up. It was a knock at the many trusty followers that hang on every lie the narcissist tells, that never question or even notice the many discrepancies, and that choose to remain blind to the abuse occurring in front of them. These are the flying monkeys who are most likely invalidating and continuing to abuse the victims that have found the courage to escape their relationship. To those of us who have been here, we are speechless at the amount of ignorance that occurs when people refuse to accept facts that challenge their view of the world. It's frustrating and infuriating. Some of you know this all too well. Others may have some trouble understanding the origin if they've not made it here yet. Let me explain where this comes from and why it's confusing to some of you and means a lot to others. And know that I can see where, superficially, it may appear to be saying that if you're the first to speak up about the abuse occurring, then you're likely to be the abuser. And this is a valid fear held by many anyway. I am very big about speaking up about your experience, and I would never encourage anyone to keep quiet for fear of being seen as the abusive one. Truthfully, you will be seen by some as the abusive one. You can't prevent this and should not worry about this. But I can also tell you one more thing truthfully. There will never come a time when you are the first to speak up about the abuse or maltreatment in your relationship with a narcissist. There is only one time in the narcissistic abuse cycle when this dynamic will ring true. When there is one partner pretending like there's no abuse going on and one partner is bad-mouthing the other to those around them. Only one. These are the relationship dynamics involving a narc. In the beginning, your relationship is brand new, and you're both super happy and psyched and are telling all of your friends and family about how you've met this amazing new person. But this doesn't last long. It's extremely brief. The next dynamic is where the narcissist realizes you are not perfect and have picked a few negative traits up, you know, the ones he projected onto you, and he begins to badmouth you to others. Hey, she isn't so great. She brings out the worst in me. Meanwhile, you are still obliviously happy with your new love. Eventually, you discover something isn't quite right. Maybe you aren't sure that there's abuse going on, but you certainly know that you don't like how you're being treated. But you keep it to yourself, pretending everything is okay, or making excuses for your narc's bad behaviors. Meanwhile, your narc partner is still smearing you behind your back. And then, one magic day, you'll be brave enough to tell your story. To admit your cover-ups and take a stand, be free from abuse. Or just to clear your good name. And at this time, it will be your word against his. But the thing is, he started his story long before you did. And his listeners are already used to the story. His version. The narcissist is only ever claiming to be the victim. 
They will never be the one with nothing to say. The one who pretends everything is hunky-dory. The one who has nothing to say about you, basically. The one who just continues to pretend things are happy or keeps the bad moments to themselves. They will never be that one. They are always the victim. Especially once the true victim has started to speak up and tell their story. Once they're both telling opposing stories, it baffles survivors how little validation their story receives. How little support they receive. And how many people choose to side with the narcissist. Sometimes even those who had known the narcissist to be a liar in the past. It is absolutely confusing how they get so many followers with their stories when victims feel they have proof to back their stories up. And yet nobody seems to want to see that proof. The reason this happens is because of that early dynamic. Those initial weeks, months, or years when the victim was ignoring the bad behavior, trying to make sense of the bad behavior, making excuses for the bad behavior, trying to heal the one perpetrating the bad behavior. And the narcissist was already projecting onto that victim and sharing it with the world. The narcissist is not a loyal mate. He is starting that smear campaign from the very beginning and for months or years. Those who lend an ear to their pitiful stories wonder why you are treating them so badly or why the narcissist is staying with you when you clearly make them so miserable. Remember, everything the narcissist hates about themselves has to be attributed to someone else. They don't bear the burden of this pain or shame. And you're available all the time. You're close by, convenient, an easy scapegoat. And as it turns out, are quite easily isolated from the group of friends and family that they're sharing their misery with. When the discard finally comes, whether he left you or you left him, those loyal followers who have been absorbing his stories this whole time are not at all confused by this breakup. In fact, they likely wonder why it didn't occur sooner, since all the narcissist did was complain about you and talk about all of your flaws, which were actually his. Many of those followers will not ever ask for your side of the story and won't listen if you offer it. Will not ever consider that what they hear does not make sense with the things that they were able to witness when they saw the two of you together. And will never understand that there are evil people in the world who have a knack for making the innocent take the blame, shoulder their pain, and reflect their worst characteristics. They will never get it. They will never validate victims. And they will never offer support, spread awareness, or assist in victims healing. They don't want to. They will be the flying monkeys. They will be fellow abusers. I hear survivors discuss some of the most frustrating parts of their healing journey, and many will say, I don't understand why so many were unwilling to hear my story. 
why so many were trusting of someone even if they knew him to be untrustworthy. Why so many believed the story he had to tell simply because he told it first. I don't understand why people chose to remain blind to the many, many behaviors that contradicted the things that he said about his partner. These are the people who are saying, wait a minute, open your eyes, people. Question why I'm saying nothing negative about my partner, nothing negative about my relationship, and we're acting happy together when you see us, and yet my partner is telling anyone who will listen how absolutely wretched I am, how much of a liar and cheat I am, how damaged and unhinged I am, and you don't question this at all. This is the sign of an abusive relationship, and this is a sign that I am not the one who is the toxic partner. These victims are left thinking, I don't understand why I spent so much time protecting my partner, trying to understand and even help my partner, trying to save my relationship. And all of that time, my partner was painting me out to be the bad guy. My partner was clearly planning the demise of our relationship while I was trying desperately to heal it. If only they would look past those words he played so well. If only they questioned him, wondered why he spoke so badly of me behind my back, maybe for years, but then acted loving to me when we were together in front of them. Why were they all so blind to the truth? Why does nobody choose to see this truth that is so glaringly obvious to me now? Why only me? What kind of fucking bullshit is this? This is hurtful, invalidating, and abusive. It can easily consume the thoughts of the victim and impede the healing process. It is fucking bullshit. After the breakup, some victims act out in the anger they feel, experiencing the sudden need to shout their abuse from the rooftops often just in response to the overwhelming evidence of smearing that starts to become apparent and the inherent need to clear their name and set the record straight. But beware that at this time, anyone paying attention finally gets to see that seemingly unhinged side of you that the narcissist has been telling them exists this entire time. It confirms for them that the story the narcissist was telling is true. You are the crazy one. More fucking invalidation. More fucking abuse. So back to the fact that at first glance, it may appear as though this is saying that if you speak up and the narcissist doesn't, that makes you the abuser. Which could cause those who yearn to speak up fear for the recourse of appearing like the abuser. But let me clear this flawed view up right now. There will never be a dynamic in which you are the only one speaking the truth or bad-mouthing your partner. Never. The narcissist has started to smear you as a person and has made sure others can see his projection shining brightly onto you since the very beginning. 
before you even knew things were not as perfect as you imagined they would be. When you start to tell your story, and I encourage each and every one of you to tell your story, to never deny your truth, it will change the dynamics to one in which it's your word against his. And the sad fact is, his started so much earlier that somehow it makes it easier to believe. It's angering. It's confusing. It's invalidating. It's painful. And you will be stuck in this realm of abuse until you can move past this need for people to believe you. This need for people to know that what was said about you isn't true. The need to convince others of the despicable person your ex-partner is. The need to warn every potential future partner not to hook up with this heinous person. And continue healing. I planned my escape from my abuser for a very long time. I convinced myself that I didn't care what lies he was telling, what stories people believed, what blame was shifted in my direction, who was feeling pity for him, who would be next to date him, who would look down on me, who would be there for me. Who cares, I said, as long as I get out. I just wanted out. I wanted peace. I wanted to remember what I loved about myself in the beginning of all of this. I wanted to repair my relationship with my children. I wanted my priorities back in place. That's it. And it was peaceful. Gloriously peaceful once those days where all I could do was cry had passed. Once entire days passed where I wasn't even tempted to unblock his social media accounts and give it a peek. Where I was able to fill my days up with the things that mattered instead of drama, investigations, and tears. It was dreamy. And then I would get a voicemail or a text message. And it would go one of two ways. Either he would be apologizing missing me and wanting a pep talk or a booty call or some validation that he still was amazing enough to have control over me or he would be pissed pissed that I ignored the aforementioned booty call attempt or some other thing that had triggered his shame and reminded him how much he despised me every once in a while it would be a drunk message and sometimes very threatening there was this one particular time when the message was so general, something so bland about the way he was telling me I would be sorry, how he was gonna make me sorry. I didn't know this man at all and had just realized it. I didn't trust him. I knew I didn't know what he was capable of and I had no idea what he would do to me in a moment of feeling shamed should he ever be able to get his hands on me. I was terrified and I wanted my peace back. So I went to the court and I filed for an order of protection. I wanted some type of peace back, something that convinced me he wouldn't be able to come for me, 
to take his feelings out on me. My husband had previously been hospitalized for having homicidal ideations about me and my kids, and I'll discuss this further in another episode. And I definitely added this to my request for protection. Surely I have every reason to believe this man would harm me, right? He has literally dreamt about killing me, killing my children. And this phone call, he was letting me know he was angry again, and he wasn't going to stand for it. What did he mean by this? I don't know, but I felt justified in feeling like I didn't want to find out. Surely someone will protect me from this recourse, right? Then the judge comes in, and he harshly states just what the paper says. What happened? he asked. I stuttered and I spit out God knows what, as there just didn't seem to be words to express what I was feeling, to explain why my fear was founded, to get across why this man was really capable of harming me, what he was really capable of. But what did he do? The judge banters at me. He wanted a specific incident, a black eye, a loaded weapon. He wanted something that made sense to him. He didn't want to hear my story. My story was nonsense and clearly not well thought out since I had no idea how to put it into words. He wanted proof of my abuse. I stammered around a bit longer, grasping at any description that I thought he would understand. Motion denied, he said, confidently. Confidently. He was confident that I was not in danger, that I was not being abused, because he couldn't understand the abuse. I'll never forget that feeling. I could barely stand as my legs became weak and My blood seemed to disappear from my body. My head was spinning. My hands were shaking. It was difficult to take a breath and I couldn't even tell if I was moving forward as I inched my way to the door. I barely made it out into the hall when it hit me. It all hit me. And I ugly cried right there in the hall. There it was, the realization. Nobody believed me. Nobody. This was the worst moment in all my healing. Over all the heartbreak and confusion, regret and loss, this feeling, this feeling when I discovered that if I wanted to be validated, I would have to do it myself. That if I wanted safety, I would have to seek it myself that if I wanted peace, I would have to create it myself. I had nobody. My words were not provable. They were not believable. And this was gonna have to be okay with me. I was going to have to learn to not care. It wasn't important. It wasn't. I didn't need them any of them. Trying to convince any of them to change their minds only kept me in that abusive cycle, the one preventing me from moving forward and finding happiness. It was futile, 
and it often made me look more and more like the bad guy. It made me feel desperate, crazy, misunderstood and invisible. And then I realized that I couldn't control how much they wanted to hear or understand. I couldn't control anyone else's behavior, but I could control how I was letting it affect me. I could control how I behaved. And I decided that what I wanted more than anything was to be confident in the story I had to tell, was to tell it without feeling ashamed of it, to tell it without needing it to be validated by anyone other than me. It was my experience. And was to move past this cycle, past these feelings, to be the best person I could be, to remember my self-worth and feel proud of my accomplishments, to have relationships that matter to me and that add positivity to my life. And I knew that I didn't need anything from any one of these people to achieve this. So what if they choose to be blind? If they choose ignorance over grasping the understanding that predators live among us? So what if there are thousands of potential victims out there just waiting to be the next prey to your ex-narc? You can't save them. So what if people who do not matter to my happiness think I'm being dishonest about what occurred in my marriage? Who cares? I held on to the hope that one day, one day, I wouldn't be worried about any of this. That I wouldn't be giving a second thought to any of these people. That I wouldn't be concerned with the narcissist or who inhabited his line of supply. That I wouldn't base any of my worth off people's ability to understand my story, my experience. I focused on me, on remembering me and what I wanted from life and who I wanted to be, on fixing the relationships my marriage had broken, like those with my children. I surrounded myself with people who contributed in a positive way to my life, and I blocked myself from those who didn't. And one day, I woke up and I felt nothing more than indifference towards my ex-narc, who rarely, if ever, crossed my mind. I smiled after a peaceful night's sleep. I checked my reflection in the mirror and I knew that person looking back. I felt good about the way I looked and I reminded myself as I walked out the door, self-worth comes from within, bitches. I didn't need any of those losers who couldn't see the truth, and their ignorance didn't affect me. So believe me when I tell you guys that although it is one of the most troubling and most difficult things you will do, I highly suggest you conquer and move past that undeniable urge to clear your name, to prove your case and to warn others about what an abusive piece of shit your narcissist really is. It rarely ends in the sweet revenge you imagine. Remember, you're acting from a genuine emotion and recovery from abuse, 
but your narcissist is acting strictly on the need to preserve his shaky self-esteem. You're heated and taking what is personal, well, personal. He, however, is a professional victim and instinctively projects any negative traits right onto you without even trying. It's effortless. It's believable. Now, this does not mean pretend your story doesn't matter. This does not mean keep your truth to yourself to avoid looking like the crazy one. What this means is that you need to be clear to yourself about who you need to feel validated by. Tell your story, know your truth, and avoid doubting yourself or what you know to be real. You were there, you experienced it. And this situation really was as twisted and fucked up as you think it is. You are not crazy. You also do not need everyone to believe your story. It is not necessary for them to validate who you are as a person, what you have been through, or where you're going in life. You do not need everyone to understand. You don't. You need to understand. You need to accept. You need to remind yourself that your self-worth comes from within, not from the validation of others. If you feel invalidated by others, I suggest you add them to your no contact list. Cut them out. You can create your inner circle. You can make it one that is full of those who add to your life in a positive way, and you can decide that it will no longer include anyone who brings negative vibes into your world. You can include those who help you realize your own value and bring a presence and peace that help you realize who you are and who you want to be. You can choose to walk away from the people who do not matter. You don't need them. When you speak up about your abuse, you will be met with some invalidation. There will be some people who do not believe your story. Some people will believe the lies about you being the abuser. This will happen regardless of your actions. It is a damn shame that the world isn't a better, more aware place. But you don't need them to see the narc for what he really is. You don't need them to accept the story you tell and apologize for your experience. You don't need them to walk away from the narc with the realization that he is a scum-sucking leech that is hiding behind a falsified and selfishly carried out persona. You don't need the narcissist to get what's coming to him. This is not even your place to ensure. The narcissist will never be happy. He will always burn bridges. He will constantly have to start over, recreate and rebuild. And even after that, will always be empty, void of anything meaningful. His cycle will never end. He will hurt other people and you cannot warn them all. 
This is the time when it becomes about you and only you. You have dedicated months or years or even decades to the sacrifice of your well-being. You have unselfishly worried about your narc partner, have given up belongings, have accepted their pain as your own, have attempted to understand where they were coming from, have tried to repair the leaks of your relationship as they constantly poke holes in other areas of it. You apologized for the heat as he sat and watched you burn. No part of this relationship has been about you. And in this process, you have likely forgotten who you are. And now is your chance to get that back. To remember how amazing you truly are. How much you have to offer and how much you deserve. This is the time for you to let go of all that keeps you trapped into the pattern of abuse. Walk away from all of it. Block what you can of it. Don't worry about being polite or liked and focus on healing you. I'm not saying this is as easily done as it sounds. This healing process is likely the hardest thing you will go through. It makes you question everything. It makes you wonder if you can make it. It makes you contemplate giving up. It makes you feel desperate. It makes you feel weak and pathetic and overwhelmed and unworthy. It will test everything you have been trained to doubt about yourself. It's been designed to. And there will be days that you simply make it through because you just don't know how to give up or what giving up would actually look like. You will do it again the next day and maybe the next. You will cry, you will shout, you will research, you will feel strong, and then weak again. And then one day, it will all pass. You may not see it coming. That realization of who you are and what you want and what validation is required to appease you, it will just be there. It's coming. Just keep working. And it all starts with the telling of your story. Say it out loud. Say it on paper. Pray about it. Just say it. And know that you tell your story not because you need them to believe it. You tell your story because before now, you have let someone deny your truth to you and to others. And you're putting your foot down, saying not this time. Because you have let someone convince you that it is you who may be the crazy one, the one who remembers things incorrectly. And you're putting your foot down, saying not this time. You tell your story because this is your experience and your truth, and you have no reason to deny it to anyone. You aren't embarrassed of it. It happened to you. And you know that this is reality despite anyone else's belief of it. You tell your story because you own it. It will be the key to your understanding and the key to your healing. You tell your story not for their benefit, but for yours. Those who matter 
will validate that story. Keep those people. Those are your people. Just a reminder that next week on the show, we're going to have a very special interview that you are not going to want to miss. It's going to be a great episode. As always, you can find more support between episodes on Facebook or Instagram at I Believe Your Abuse. You can find lots of support, including resources for meetings and support groups and other professionals on IBelieveYourAbuse.com. You can also send in comments, requests for specific topics to be addressed on the show or to share your survivor story. Just send an email to IBelieveYourAbuse at gmail.com. Be sure to follow the podcast to have episodes automatically added for you to listen to as they come out. And if you have friends or family who are struggling with narcissistic abuse, or maybe you're just willing to learn about and understand your experience, please share the show with them. Spreading awareness and understanding are so important. Until next time, own your truth. Never stop telling your story. I believe you. <laughs>